But I want to go to the Dude Maker Hotline, and I want to say hi to the editor of Crisis Magazine, a book author in uh, his own right, a F.O.K. Miniature plays. What's an F.O.K.? A friend of Kennedy. <laughs> and uh, someone I've been wanting to have on the program for quite some time now, able to make the connection today. He's got an essay out at Crisis Magazine yesterday, and I heard him talking about it with Kennedy, and I thought most of you probably may not have heard that, so why not uh, bring it to the Morning Drive audience as well? Are Catholics eligible for COVID vaccine religious exemptions? Mr. Eric Sammons, the editor of Crisis Magazine, on the Dude Maker Hotline with us. Uh, Eric, good morning, and thanks for accepting my offer and uh, agreeing to spend a little time with us here this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Well, can I start off by congratulating you on the young artist that you're that you're raising, your daughter? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And she's not too young anymore. She's 24 now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and I told you when I met you, when we talked uh, when you called Kennedy for the first time that uh, your wife and my wife are uh, friends on Twitter. And she sent my wife one of these wonderful little cards that your daughter painted of Joan, uh, here in New Orleans, as we would say, St. Joan d'Arc. Uh, St. Joan of Arc, who's the patron of Orléans, of course, and the patroness of New Orleans. And uh, I keep this little prayer card here with me, and I got it on my desk here today. Uh, if someone wanted one of these, is there a place to get one of these? Uh, actually, I think there is. I um, I had this. My wife had a website. Let me. I'm going to pull it up. Make sure it's still up. Let me see. Oh, um, my, my my producer who used to just talk with. She said, "Tell Eric to keep talking about what you want to talk about. I got this." She said, "She'll find it." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's doerofknots.com. My wife sells uh, handmade rosaries, and the Joan of Arc holy card is there as well. That's a, and, it's a, uh, so you can buy it there, like a buck each. So not yeah, much. Right? It's an awesome little painting. Um, yeah. And uh, we could all use a St. Joan d'Arc right now, couldn't we? Absolutely. She was a fighter. That's what we need. Now, I heard you say something to Kennedy yesterday, and given uh, your, your your stature as the editor of Crisis Magazine, and like Clark Kent, a mild-mannered guy, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I said, did Eric just say what I think I heard him say? So uh, I rewound the tape because I could do that here, and I listened, and you did say that. Uh, you were talking to Kennedy about uh, Catholic men, especially men, uh, that are working for these big companies that the hammer, the, the, the vaccine mandate hammer, the passport is probably coming down, and that they may, uh, uh, it may be prudent for them to start to prepare now, Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think we've all been thinking this is going to come in the past year. I mean, I think since last fall, those who are paying attention knew vaccine mandates will come. And we also knew that all the vaccines currently available in America are tainted with abortion connections. I mean, there's other issues, but that's the, the key one for Catholics, I know, uh, like myself. And But now it's actually happening. I've had at least over a dozen people friends or friends of friends who have reached out to me who are, they are specifically been told, if you do not get the vaccine, for some reason, October 1st seems to be a popular date. By October 1st, you will lose your job. And so this is a real, this isn't just a hypothetical anymore for a lot of people, but I think even places where it isn't happening yet, I don't see why it won't happen. And so if you work for a large corporation, let's say you're a Catholic man, you're supporting your family, 
um, and, and you're trying to raise your kids and maybe especially for single income and you, you work for a fortune 500 company, for example, don't think you'll be able to stay there for the next few years. If it's not the vaccine mandate, there'll be something that your faith will keep you from working there. I really believe that. And so in prudence, you should be looking right now for a, uh, a different, a different job, maybe even a different field. I know somebody who's in healthcare and he's just getting out of it. He's going to just leave healthcare completely because he just is like, I know this is not going to work long term. And he's been in healthcare for 20 years, I think, something like that. And wow. he's like, I'm going to look for a different field of work now. now. Now, let me ask you, you started your piece at Crisis Magazine. Eric Sam is the editor of Crisis Magazine on our Do-Maker uh, Do hotline with us. Eric, you started your essay with a guy who was a friend of yours, Steve, a Catholic husband and father, sole breadwinner for his family. Uh, you don't have to tell us who it is, but tell me about his particular situation. Right. So he works for a Fortune 500 company, and they were told that uh, we're returning to the offices and things like this, whatever, but people are going to be required to have uh, a vaccine. But they are giving a religious exemption, but the religious exemption requires the signature of your religious leader, your pastor, your rabbi, whatever the case may be. And so he reached out to me and he was like, what can I do about this? Do you know of anything that we can do? And that's what led to me writing the article, doing some research. And he's not the only one, but that was one that kind of got me going on it um, to really look into this and to see if Catholics can get religious exemption. Now, I will say I personally think this is probably a temporary measure. At some point, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these companies dropped the religious exemption. But some people need time. And if it's just a, a matter of let's get the religious exemption for now, and then while we're looking for another job, and maybe it might take months, or especially if you've been in a career for a long time, at least you can do that. You can have a little time to look. So, uh, yeah, so we're just trying – right now, let's try to figure out if Catholics – we can figure out a way Catholics can get the religious exemption, which they should be able to. Uh, but w what would be the process to do that? That's kind of what the article's looking at. Now, uh, Father David Nix, who's a friend of mine and very active on Twitter, was yesterday because people are bombarding him because uh, he's got a social media account and going like, Father, can you write this letter for me? And Nix is telling people, look, uh, you should get it from your priest. Um, but Nix is out there saying that, look, even if a priest were to write it for you, um, it's probably not going to stand the test of time. You should probably get a lawyer to do it. Right. That's yeah, th there are examples of ones that are out there, and I linked to them in the article. And I think in a lot of cases they'll probably work, but again, it's a, it's almost like just push the, the 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 push it down the road a little bit, because I think Father's probably right that ultimately a lawyer doing it is going to be a lot better, because ultimately the courts have no right to say what's a legitimate religious belief, really. And so if I just wanted to say, hey, I I subscribe to the religion of salmonism, and I just think I should do that. I can't take this vaccine because I think it comes from an alien from space. <laughs> well, by a constitution, that should be allowed. If that's my sincerely held religious belief, I can prove that's actually my religion. Now, here we have a case of the Catholic Church, the largest religion in the world, and it actually has explicit teaching saying that I can exempt myself from this. So it, it should be pretty clear cut. Um, I just know that some companies are asking are, are explicitly saying you need a letter from your religious leader, not a lawyer. So that's why I think we, you know, a lot of people are reaching out to their pastors or, or, or whoever. Now, one of the other points that you make, and you make a lot of them, and this, uh, are Catholics eligible for COVID vaccine 
religious exemptions. One of the other points that you make, Eric, is that uh, people are, uh, some Catholics in social media um, are telling other Catholics, well, Pope Francis said that we have an obligation to do this. But as you point out, there, there cannot be a religious a magisterial, if you will, a dogmatic uh, obligation to have something injected into your body. Am I right? Right. It's actually absolutely impossible for there to be a, a, a official church teaching that says you have to get this vaccine because that's not how official church teachings work. We apply church teachings in real life, and this is an application of the Church's teachings in various areas. Like, for example, we would look at the teaching on the dignity of human life, teaching on uh, abortion. We'd look at, you know, the teaching on life begins the conception created by God. We'd also look at teachings of the common good and health and things like that. Those are all factors that a Catholic will look at in making the decision for himself or herself, will I get this vaccine? And so even though Pope Francis at one point said something to the effect of, we have a moral responsibility to get the vaccine, Honestly, that's of no more importance if Dr. Fauci says it or, or, or the guy you, you meet walking down the street, the stranger, because he, that's just his judgment that he thinks that getting the vaccine is, is important and more important than the, the, the potential downside of supporting abortion and all the other health issues, things like that. So honestly, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I'm, I consider myself a practicing Catholic. I, I do my best to follow teaching in church, but I don't really care what Pope Francis thinks, whether or not I should get the vaccine. That's not Catholicism to follow his every whim and wish and desire. We follow what the Church teaches, and the Church has made it abundantly clear that no one can be obligated to get a vaccine of any type. And definitely, when it comes to a vaccine that's tainted by abortion, we, we should actually err on the side of conscientious objection. That's what the Church has actually taught. And only if we believe there's a resulting evil that's so great, then we could consider our remote participation in getting the vaccine as a possibility. And I just think it's very clear cut with with COVID that it doesn't even come close to that level of uh, being a something that we would consider in connection with participating even remotely with uh, the use of aborted fetal cells. Well, um, Eric Sam is editor of Crisis Magazine and crisismagazine.com on our Dude Maker hotline with us. You know, Eric, I think about uh, about forced injections and uh, and Catholics, good Catholics, and because I know the story pretty well, and you probably know it too, my mind begins to wander, and I should say government forcing or trying to imply that it has the power to coerce a, uh, a vaccine or any other kind of injection, my mind begins to turn and I start thinking of, wait for it, St. Maximilian Kolbe, <laughs> that ultimately they could not kill this man. They tried to starve him to death. They tried to burn him to death. They tried to, uh, uh, to freeze him to death and they just couldn't kill him. So ultimately, you know how they took him out, right? Well, yeah, I remember they put him in the room forever, and he wouldn't die. Right. So finally, it's like, you know, he just kept on praying and, 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 and praising God, and he just wouldn't die, even though he didn't get fed or any water or anything like that. And then I, I believe, right, didn't they inject him with uh, some poison or something like that? Carbonic acid. Wow. They drained his blood, and then they replaced it with carbonic acid, and finally, St. Maximilian Golbe 
uh, St. John the Evangelist gave up the ghost. Uh, what an irony here that uh, that particular Catholic underwent absolute uh, the, the horrors of a, a government. That, and, and why I think this is so important to us, Eric, and why I think we should be able to make a direct connection. Um, in the nearby concentration camp, as they were called, St. Edith Stein was also starved to death. She died uh, under the, uh, the, 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 the regime of the Third Reich. And what I find that, that we can uh, link to this is, in 1936, when uh, the Nazi Party, the National Socialist Party of Germany, promulgated its rule that Jewish people needed to go and needed to be counted and publicly recognized, uh, that's when they started handing out or telling them, you got to make your Star of David, and then you got to put it on your clothes, and then you have to go get a, a, a number here. Uh, and I'm not saying that we have Nazis running our government, uh, but cer certainly some of them seem to be... Uh, <laughs> seem to be in training. Um, well, but do you see similarities, as I do? Well, that's, that's the issue. Is every time somebody wants to bring up connections to other totalitarian regimes in the past, Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia, something like that, people are like, oh, it's not that bad. But how do you think it got there? It didn't get there overnight. It's not like all of a sudden, one day everything is free and everything is great, and the next day you have 100% Nazism or 100% communism or something like that. It happens over time, and what happens is you do these little things to brainwash the populace, basically, to say, okay, it's, if you're a good person, you'll do this. And then when the people who refuse to do that because they have some other re good reason not to, then those are the bad people. And then you start segregating them. You start saying, okay, it's a step-by-step -step process. It doesn't happen overnight. And so that's why you fight it early on, because it's too late if you're if you're 1939 Germany, it's too late. It's to too late. Nazism. And the same thing in Soviet Russia. If it's you know 1930, it's too late. But in America, I, I fear that we're getting to the point of being too late. I don't think we're there yet. But I that's what we that's why we have to fight now, so that we aren't in a situation where we're at that point just simply trying to survive because there's nothing to fight for anymore because we've lost. Yeah, and uh, there's so many things that happen in the run-up to what uh, we ultimately know as the horrors of World War II and what the German National Socialist Party did. And there are many things that we don't know. I've been encouraging people over the last year because I saw this movie and I went, okay, everyone needs to, to watch this. Matter of fact, maybe I'll write a review of Crisis Magazine and send it to you. It's called Mr. Have you, have you seen the movie Mr. Jones? I have not. Watch it. <clears throat> Okay. So, okay. so Stellan Skarsgård's son uh, plays this reporter for the New York Times. His name is Mr. Jones. He goes to Soviet Russia at about the time when Stalin has hoodwinked uh, Roosevelt. Maybe Roosevelt was uh, uh, willfully hoodwinked. And um, uh, Roosevelt's men go and visit the famous Potemkin village. Everything's wonderful. Socialism, national socialism, communism is the greatest thing to ever happen. And at the same time, Stalin is forcing people by coercion to give up their farms and let the government take them over. And, of course, the government doesn't grow food very well because it doesn't know how to do it. So food starts becoming in short supply. And what the movie is about is this guy... Mr. Jones, who's on assignment from the New York Times, gets sent to go cover the wonders of communism. 
But some people in Moscow tell him, dude, that is not what's going on here. And they tell him, you have to go to Ukraine and you have to see what Stalin's actually doing in Ukraine. So spoiler alert, I don't want to give away the ending here. But uh, and don't watch this with your with your with any young children. Right. Uh, um, the horrors of what he sees in in the Ukraine and what Stalin has brought about. Um, this is what the world didn't know, and this is in like 1938. And had the world known it, had it been accurately reported, Peter uh, Skarsgård, Stalin Skarsgård's son, plays Mister Jones. Um, had the world known. What they were really up to, it, uh, it's, it's possible that uh, the agreement, for example, uh, of Malta, the Treaty of Malta, uh, or Yalta, rather, never would have happened. That no one, because the world at that time still believed Stalin was some kind of a great and good leader. Um, I think that, that at some level that that's what's happening here right now, and uh, <clears throat> that there are people that are undergoing a similar kind of, and this uh, this deplatforming of people, that in some ways, Eric, that's taking people's private property away from them. It, it, it's amazing, the, the similarities. I personally think the similarities are the closest to, to Soviet uh, Russia. Not They're obviously not identical, but just reading what led up to the revolution, reading the, the, the concerns, and then what they did very quickly to... Uh, basically deplatform people in that society, I think it's very, very in keeping. And it's like for those who say, well, it's a private company and do whatever they want. Well, come on. Why do they all seem to be doing the exact same thing? They're all saying, okay, no COVID informa- truth information, no, no politically incorrect information. I mean, to act like a company like Facebook is not in league with the government in some way, I mean, it's just like wake up and, and pay attention. And so it really is a matter of the, the, the elites, essentially, the government, along with the private companies that are deplatforming any information that is contrary to the, the narrative. Right. And, and so and COVID is the perfect example of that. And so it, it's like we just have to continue to fight. And that's why I like, you know, your station, because it's like we have to have these avenues and crisis magazine the same way where we, we try to get out information, knowing we'll be shut down by the, the, the main people eventually, big tech and things like that. But just keep pushing the information out there the best we can. So t- 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 talk to me about that for a minute. Eric Sam is the editor of Crisis Magazine. By the way, uh, congratulations to, I don't know him, but Kennedy knows him. I know you know him, obviously, to Tim Flanders for being promoted to become an editor-in-chief of 1 Peter 5. That's right. He's now the editor of 1 Peter 5. We're very excited about that. We brought him on because we just acquired 1 Peter 5 a couple weeks ago. And so we're running it now, Crisis Publications is. And, and Tim, I think Tim's going to do a great job of really being a, a voice for traditional Catholicism over there. So, so tell me about that, Eric. How difficult is it for you as an editor? Number one, are you getting the kind of content that what you just said needs to be done? Are you getting a regular stream of that? That's my first question. Second of all, um, uh, what kind of uh, editing process do you do? You do you go like, well, you know, that's a, that may be a little too uh, a little too radical. Um, uh, walk our listeners through, you know, how does an editor of a journal and one that's been around for so long since the 1980s, like Crisis, that's a big responsibility. What, what's your approach? What are you looking for? Why, why should people go to Crisis Magazine every day and check new articles? 
That, that's a great question. Yeah, Crisis has been around since 1982. It was a print journal for a long time. Now it's online only. Uh, we've been doing that for about 12 years, I think, something like that. And essentially, our, our audience is mostly made up of conservative, traditional Catholics, uh, and also uh, conservative Christians of, uh, of Protestant denominations are, are also our readers often. And what I like to do is I, I want to I challenge and push our readers. But I have to do it in a way that they're going to read. If we, if we go just like have crazy town one day, I just think people, a lot of our readers who aren't quite there yet on a lot of this stuff, let's be honest, like especially COVID, we get pushback when we say things like, you know, don't get the vaccine, stuff like that. We get a lot of readers who push back on that. So what we want to do is we try to educate them of why we try to give articles of why they should be against the COVID regime. It's just one example. We, of course, write about a lot more than just that. But why this is uh, harmful, why it's against a Catholic sensibility, because like I said, most of our readers are Catholic. And really, though, as an editor, my job is to try to lead them step by step towards what I think is the the way to see these things, because, you know, it's obviously my vision as the editor. But I know not everybody's there. So I try to push people. But if you push too hard sometimes, you got to know your audience. I mean, if your audience isn't all there, you try to push in that direction. So I hope that every article pushes people toward a greater understanding of Catholic teaching, a greater understanding of how to live as a Catholic. That's the main thing for me at Crisis, is we want practical articles. How do you live as a Catholic in our world today, where it's obviously a very big challenge? What are the, 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 what are the crises in both the Church and in the world that we have to confront? Because obviously within the Catholic Church, there's a lot of problems. We just talked about our Pope is saying things like, you have more responsibility to get this abortion vaccine. Right. And also, of course, outside, we have the, the president of the United States is a, a is a proclaimed Catholic who is obviously uh, an enemy of the faith. So there's a lot to write about. <laughs> so I want to help people. You know, our writers really are trying to show people the reality of what's going on and give them practical advice on how they move forward. And that, my article is just one example of that, of, okay, what can I do if I'm being pushed to get the, the, the COVID vaccine. I don't want to get it. And so that, that's the type of stuff we're trying to do there. I mean, some of the articles of, of lately, I, uh, I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but there was an article about, I believe it, uh, that you titled it. Uh, I don't know if the author might, may have titled, but The Catholic Case for Secession. And, uh, that was actually my article. <laughs> okay, well, uh, as, as, as someone that says that all was lost at Appomattox, that's me. <laughs> I see a headline like that and I go, huh, what? At crisis? Uh, I'm in, in, particularly intrigued today. Man, the story is making all the rounds. <clears throat> and there's a young guy out there. I think he's young. And I guess you may uh, maybe have taken him under your wing there a bit. Uh, I'm, of course, speaking about uh, Casey Chalk who has yeah. been writing for Jordan uh, Jordan Bloom and uh, the editors over there at American Conservative Magazine. I was reading Casey a couple years ago. Like, this young guy that has a bright future as an author. He's a good communicator. Um, yeah. And today, uh, the conversion of Britney Spears. Now, this story doesn't go as you think it's going to go, though, audience. He doesn't just come out and go, yeah, Britney Spears, one of us, yeah! Um, as a matter of fact, it's 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 quite the opposite, um, and I think this is the kind of provocative, or this is the kind of uh, critical approach to this, because he, he takes a very measured tone with it and goes like, "Look, even if it is true, what bearing does that have on your practice of the faith?" Right. I just thought it was. Yeah. A, go ahead. 
I just say I love that article when he pitched it to me. I was like, that's exactly a great take because we get we're so desperate as Catholics for this cultural validation. And I don't get that because our culture's rotten. And so why should we care if the latest Hollywood person has said something nice about Catholicism or has said something pro-life? I mean, it's great if they're Catholic. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if, if Britney Spears truly converted and she's going to live a faithful Catholic life, I praise God. The angels are, are, are celebrating in heaven over that because anybody can be saved. Anybody can come to the fullness of the truth, including Britney Spears. Although I will want to make one comment. When I was looking for a photo to include on that of her, <laughs> it was very difficult to find a photo that wasn't inappropriate. So it would be a great thing if she converted to Catholicism. But ultimately, our faith, it doesn't matter whether or not the, the latest cultural celebrity, whether or not they are a practicing Catholic or not. That doesn't mean anything to us. And also, I think another thing Casey made a very good point on is that we shouldn't be so quick to celebritize Catholics either, like a Bishop Barron or somebody like that, and be so quick to say, okay, I'm just going to follow anything that person does, the personalities. I know some people sometimes will call me a personality being the editor of Christ. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just a dude with some opinions. <laughs> you need to, you know, you, you, can, you can read what I write. I, I appreciate that. But you need to check it with the, what the church teaches. You need to check it with your own faith life, your own prayer life. Don't, don't celebritize anybody. Uh, we can look to people for advice and, 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 and hopefully see what they're saying, but don't celebritize Catholics and don't like go a gaga every time a celebrity be, says something nice about Catholicism. All right. Uh, final question for Eric Sammons, uh, the <clears throat> editor of crisismagazine.com. Tell me and tell our audience, uh, you got a book that's out right now. It's very timely. Tell us all about that. Right. It's called Deadly Indifferent. And it's essentially about the fact that the Catholic Church has been overrun by religious indifference, the, the, the belief that all religions are equal, any, any religion you are doesn't matter, you can get to heaven, which is a completely contrary to the teaching of the Catholic Church, which teaches outside the Church there is no salvation. And so what the book does, it looks at how that happened, how is it that 100 years ago no Catholic would have thought this, and now most Catholics think it, how did that happen? And then also then how do we overcome it? How do we re reclaim our missionary zeal and really uh, work to, to bring the whole world to the Catholic Church. And so that, that's the essential um, point of the book. And where does uh, one find a copy that's not Amazon? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't go there. I mean, you, you know, if you buy it at Amazon, we'll get a little money, but so will they. So let's not do that. Uh, the best place probably is just go to sophiainstitute.com. You can also buy it from my website, uh, ericsammons.com. So sophiainstitute.com. Um, one of your other, I said it was the last question, but just uh, I tried to get Paul Kangor last week because Paul and I, uh, yeah. uh, he's a he's a kind of quasi-regular. And come to find out when I was on SiriusXM Patriot Channel and I was there for 13 years, uh, Kangor was quietly and secretly uh, following me. Um, <clears throat> so when I did contact him through uh, an article he wrote on Crisis a couple years ago, um, there he went, um, he, he told me that, you know, he said, Mike, I've been following you for a long time. Kangor wrote a book that I think is essential reading to kind of understand the 30, uh, the, uh, 23,263 miles, I believe that's geosynchronous orbit, uh, the geosynchronous orbit position of where we are. It's called the devil and Karl Marx. Um, and I know he wrote an article about it uh, for Crisis, and he's, he's referenced to it. 
Um, and what he basically does is he makes the case, number one, that Marx was an atheist, probably a Satanist as well. Um, and number two, that his demon spawn, Marxism, is a demonic evil. And when people, uh, when you call someone a Marxist, be careful. Because you're also kind of calling them, uh, you're implying if they are practicing it and they're encouraging uh, others to or trying uh, to bring others under the yoke, and it is a yoke uh, of Marxism, that you're inviting them in to a very dark, evil place with a one-way express elevator to hell. Yeah, I, Marxism is evil, and I had not thought of it quite that strongly, but I don't see why anything wrong with that, because it's exactly what it is. I mean, it destroys the world, it destroys souls, it, it just it's destructive in every aspect. We have an article actually coming out from Paul, either tomorrow or the next, I can't, I'm not sure exactly when it's scheduled for, but it's, it's about vax fanatics, he calls them, so <laughs> that should be good. I'll be looking forward to it. Eric Sammons, the editor of Crisis Magazine, an author in his own right, you can find his latest book at... Uh, Sophia, you said Sophia Institute, right? Yes, SophiaInstitute.com. SophiaInstitute.com and at EricSammons.com. Uh, tell your daughter we're fans of her artwork. <laughs> Thank you. And then we can all Nothing use... Nothing makes you happier than that. Is you, you know, any parent will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can all use a little Jean d'Arc in our lives today. Eric, thank you. You've been very kind to the uh, Crusade Channel lately uh, with uh, being on with Kennedy twice and and now uh, me. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to working with you uh, and uh, many of your stable of authors at uh, at Crisis Magazine. You know what? People are probably curious. Will 1 Peter 5 just become Crisis Magazine light or heavy or totally different direction? It, it They really do have two different uh, missions. Okay. Uh, Crisis Magazine is much more directed towards politics and more in the church stuff is much more on a conservative Catholic viewpoint, whereas uh, 1 Peter 5 is very much hardcore traditional Catholic very much, uh, much more uh, focused on uh, church issues, liturgy, things like traditional liturgy and spirituality and things like that. So they really do have two different missions. And I don't, you know, obviously there's at times there's overlap. If like, for example, when the Pope issued the motu proprio restricting the Latin mass, both sites are going to be interested in that because it affects all Catholics. But in general, uh, I mean, 1 Peter 5 is much more hardcore traditional Catholic. That's, that's their audience. Uh, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to hold back at all from that, whereas crisis is much more geared towards like the political issues like the COVID vaccines and stuff like that. Got it. Uh, so we'll be uh, reading a lot uh, a lot more Dr. Peter Kwasniewski than at 1 Peter 5? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And we're so happy he's back. He's, I think he has an article scheduled for tomorrow there. He's probably going to be a weekly contributor there. One of a kind. All right, Eric, yep. God bless you and your family and your work, and thanks for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. All right, that's Eric Sammons, uh, editor of CrisisMagazine.com. I want to thank Eric for being uh, kind with his time and coming on the Crusade Channel and also lavishing a little praise on the Crusade Channel. That's why I like your channel, your station so much, because you don't care if you get deplatformed by those other jerks. <laughs> being uh, kind with his time and coming on the Crusade Channel and also lavishing a little praise. On the Crusade Channel. That's why I like your channel, your station so much. Because you don't care if you get deplatformed by those other jerks. <laughs>